0: This
1: is a more than just podcast production.
2: Welcome to this podcast season four, episode ten. My name is Tim Mitchell. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and i am joined once again by Jonathan Kooline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there. And we have Jaime Lopez Jr. on the line in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Same as last week. (laughs) And the week before. (laughs) And the week week before. before. And the week before, yep. I still haven't watched Paw Patrol, but... okay so uh jonathan you have some fact check for us yeah just a
3: couple of quick pieces so we talked last week about how they were casting one of the albino andorians on the star trek strange new worlds show and i knew there was a term for it from star trek enterprise but i could not remember the name but they're called anars uh not albino andorian so anars is the term and they're actually they're actually from
2: the planet of Andoria or the system of Andoria?
3: Yeah, I can't remember the whole story from Enterprise and I refused to go back and watch the whole thing just to to pull out that one nugget, but I remembered that there was a special term for them because there was a whole storyline about them in, in Enterprise. Yeah. You can and go to Memory Alpha and look it up too. That's I true, do that. I really could I'll have do done that. that, couldn't I? will do that, yep. But <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they, they have a distinctive name, they're not just the pasty Andorians as opposed to the blue Andorians.
2: yeah. Where's the search button on this thing? Here it is, okay. And What's your next
3: thing? The next thing is that uh, last week we were talking about Why the Last Man, the new series that uh, is adapted from the uh, Brian K. Vaughn comic series from Vertigo. And I had said that it was on Disney Plus here in Canada because that was my understanding from reading an article that should teach me to check my sources. It is in fact airing on FX here in Canada. So if you have FX3 or Rogers or other cable provider, you can watch it there now did you watch the three-hour premiere i watched the first part of the three-part premiere this week okay did you miss the other two or just didn't know they were on i just did not have time to sit down for that much more time and watch Mm. two more hours of of extra television on top of everything else so
2: yeah i think i went to bed really late that night because i pvr'd the three
3: Yeah, I did the same thing, Uh, and uh, number one fan and I sat and watched the first episode, and then we sort of figured, oh, okay, well, eventually we'll get to the other two, and just didn't have time this week, so. Great.
2: Well, let me do some follow-up on our fact check there a minute ago. So, according to this, according to Memory Alpha, the Anars are a kind of subspecies, blind ice dwellers. For the most part of our history, they were considered a myth. Stories were told to our children, but 50 years ago, we discovered them living in the northern wastes. This is from Talek, Shran, twenty-one fifty-four. The episode called "The Anar." The Anar were a humanoid species native to the northern wastes of Andoria, and a subspecies of subspecies of Andorians. Their population during the mid twenty-second century consisted of only a few thousand. Now you know, and now we know.
3: Yep, and that, yep. so this will be interesting because it's really not a lot further ahead i can't remember the exact timelines but from between star- the timeline of star trek enterprise into strange new worlds it would be years later but not a lifetime later so interesting that they're bringing one of those characters into that world
2: Yep. Yep. okay cool and on to sad news
3: Yeah, well, we'll kick off our headlines this week with some sad news. Uh, Unfortunately, Canadian comedian Norm Macdonald died this week at the age of 61. He was uh, probably best known as the host of Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live. He was there for about four or five years. He had a a long and illustrious career as a stand-up. He did a whole bunch of other you know key roles all over the place did his own movies uh for fans of science fiction he is probably known as the voice of lieutenant yafit the gelatinous character on the orville and uh yeah it was it was a real blow no one apparently outside of his family knew that he had been battling leukemia for the last nine years and uh his death took everybody by surprise no one really had a a sense that it was coming he just we all woke up one morning and he was gone and uh and and i guess that's how he wanted it it's just uh it's it's a terrible loss he was a very 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 funny human being and just an absolutely unmistakable voice and uh and a real a real talent and it it was it was another one of those hard to take you know can't believe he's gone kind of kind of moments there uh to to find out that he had passed Um, for our, our American for friends who did not probably even realize he's Canadian, he was born in Quebec City and uh, lived here through his formative years, and then headed south to make his fame and fortune. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's really upsetting. Though, uh, amongst the people paying tribute to him this week was Seth MacFarlane, of course, is uh, the, is the star of The Orville, and he, you know, he had to say, you know, to to so many people in comedy me included there was nobody funnier than norm mcdonald you always hoped he would hang around after work was done just so you could hear his stories and get a laugh he was so hilarious and generous with his personality and i'm gonna miss him and and i think we all feel that way it's uh it's really sad uh, um sounds like he he'd done his parts for the third season of the orville which is is set to stream on hulu um eventually but yeah it uh yeah, it's really, real real serious blow there.
2: Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, I, I don't know why there's another comedian that, that hasn't been well, but I, I had a sense that he wasn't well. But you're right, I don't think I already knew officially that he was not doing well. But you know, yeah, he kind of has He kind of has been quiet for the last little while anyway, right? Because he was on, other than Orville, he was also on Conan O'Brien a lot. Oh, yeah, I, one of the all-time gra-
3: great uh, couch guests on, on yeah, those yeah. kind of panel shows and stuff.
2: Yeah, you never knew what you were going to get. It was almost like Eddie Kaufman that way, right?
3: Yeah, it was one of those one of those sad things where you know these things happen. You sort of you you don't think about these people all the time, and then their death happens, and all the video clips start going around. So this week, famous the famous clip of him on Conan with Courtney Thornsmith Smith, just eviscerating her and her her movie career, really? uh, which is one of the funniest clips you will ever see from a from a show from one of those you know uh, uh, talk shows. He is just unbelievably funny as he just. It, just on on this program just basically takes this woman's segment away from segment away from her and just, just absolutely obliterates her movie career it's it's really really funny um oh, mm. I, I was listening to a podcast the other day where they were speaking with someone who he had worked with extensively and uh and he said that david letterman was uh, apparently said that uh that he was his all-time favorite comedian and, really well. Wow. I mean, to be Dave's all-time favorite comedian is that's huge, right? This is a guy who knew everybody, saw everybody, lived through the seventies, eighties, nineties of comedy. I mean, he saw the legends go, in, and Norm was his favorite, so yeah, to the point sure. where he was on his last show on uh, as a talk show host. Yeah, I think I think yeah, I, I recall something
2: like that. Yeah, he was yeah. always sort of like yeah, he was um interesting. His his whole Saturday Night Live thing it was like his career as the as the anchor on was probably the most edgy you know other than you know the early uh, Chevy Chase stuff but yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm.
2: he was quite edgy on that on that thing i think he probably surprised a lot of people with his his uh, um Acerbic tastes.
3: Yeah, did you guys hear the? Uh, it was repeated a few times this week. The story of of how he ended up losing his job, getting fired from Saturday Night Live. No, I mean, fat? I haven't.
2: I haven't I mean, caught up any of the, any of the norm stuff. Now you're making me want to go back and check it out. But, oh, yeah. it's it's
3: well worth the time. He is he is one of the reasons why YouTube exists. His his clips, all his little clips from shows, his weekend updates, all that stuff is out there. Please do yourself a favor if you're not a fan, go look it up. He will make you laugh. But the story was out in a few different of his obituaries this week about how he basically burned things so badly, burned his bridges so badly at Weekend Update that eventually uh, they had no choice but to fire him. He apparently could not stop going after OJ Simpson in the mid-90s and just kept going after him and going after him. And apparently the guy who was running NBC at the time was actually a friend of OJ Simpson's. So the notes came down basically saying like, back off, leave him alone, stop doing it. And he couldn't. He just kept going at it. And so he would go out of his way to put an OJ joke in where it didn't belong. Like he was just going after it. And apparently when he was acquitted, when OJ was acquitted of murdering his wife and her lover, Norm started his segment by saying, well, it's official. Murder is now legal in the state of California. Right, and uh, apparently that was the last straw, and he was fired that day by the executives at uh, the executive at uh, NBC. and And while people were up in arms saying, "Oh, that's brutal!" and "How could you do that?", he he apparently backed the guy and said, "No, no, he told me not to do it. I did it. I deserve to get fired. I knew what I was doing." and I'm willing to live with the consequences. So he yeah, was that yeah. kind of comedian. He was so yeah. committed to the bit that he was like, I guess it's going to cost me my career on SNL, but I'm doing it. And it's still one of the funniest deliveries of all time. Yeah,
1: for sure. And after sure. getting fired, they brought him back as a host, like a year and a half later. Yep. And he fully references what happened. <laughs> and it's a yep. funny bit. Cause he's like, all right, we got a bad show tonight. <laughs> 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 the show while he's on it. And you know. You know, I had no idea he was Canadian because he's so curmudgeonly in his humor that he just feels a little, uh, you know, not quite as stereotypically Canadian nice. And he's, if you're not familiar with his humor, for those of you listening, like, uh, I guess it's kind of uh, slightly darker now, given that we know that he died of cancer. But he had a thing of, like, why do they say this person, you know, lost their battle of cancer? Like, you die, the cancer dies that's a draw it's not, like the can- it's not like the cancer goes and sleeps with your wife after we're dead you know it's like wow that's that was norm mcdonald that was that kind of humor yeah. Wow. yeah yeah
3: no he was and he was he was he relished in in contrarianism he loved just to argue he loved to take the opposite position just to see how far he could take the arguments he was just so good at it uh you know again just an absolutely gifted comedian and a a tremendous loss but uh yeah he was he was one of a kind and uh, again one of the things that he'll live on forever on youtube for is his portrayal of burt reynolds on the celebrity jeopardy on snl where they had uh will ferrell playing the, the the alex trebek character and he would be there dressed up with the mustache on uh he would have norman with the mustache on looking like looking like burt reynolds and you know just being the biggest ass in the world and it was such a perfect part for him and again this this was as a guest spot years after they had fired him
2: yeah amazing yeah, Burt Reynolds was the sort of Tom Cruise of the day, right? Like,
3: oh, he was the biggest star in, in Hollywood for a good like yeah. what, eight, ten years from like mid seventies to mid eighties. I mean, yeah, and he
2: played and he played the same guy every single time. It wasn't until he was he came back and did that movie with, um, uh, oh, with the, the stripper strippers. movie, yeah. yeah. That was mean, when that. he sort of came back. That was his renaissance. But yeah, he was like, you know, he had the the. He had you know the most gorgeous women falling yeah. all over him, right? So yeah,
3: well, I mean Sally Field and Lonnie Anderson, and yeah, yeah said yeah, yeah, and then and then he had that huge renaissance. He, I think he got nominated for an Oscar for Boogie Nights, right? And like yeah, Boogie sort of yeah. The, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's funny how these things all come around again. I don't know that I thought about Norm Macdonald all the time, but uh, boy, I, I know I'm going to feel his loss.
2: Yeah, I didn't realize he was like uh, same age as me. Hmm. We can all agree that
3: is too young to be dead. Yes, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. I think
2: so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, um coming out of the uh Star Trek day kind of festivities and stuff like that. Um Jonathan found this link here uh of a Well, I I heard about this because I heard um um Leonard Nimoy's wife talking about how she was uh putting up for auction Spock's ears and one of his one of his uh tunics i guess that he wore in the show well, i don't know, can't remember which one which episode it was one of the movies right um and um but you know so if you paw through this this uh url which we're going to have in the show notes um you'll see that there are all kinds of things like you can get um uh you know workout gear you can get the you know the blue uniforms from from uh like the the um uh, what do you call what do you call them the evil empire ones uh Mirror Universe, yep. uh, disco uniforms, you know, the disco uniforms, you can get uh, Sneaker Martin Green's disco workout, you know, uh, Vulcan stuff.
3: There's all we, kinds we of... We should say for the record, this this auction, by the time you hear this, this auction is closed. It actually closed yeah. tonight and actually oh, does it? you can okay. go on now and see what things went for. So you, if yeah. you want to have a little fun, we can go through that, like the... Uh, sure. The 25th anniversary pinball machine from the collection of Leonard Nimoy. That was the one, yeah. The yeah went for seven thousand five hundred dollars US. Wow. Uh, A pair of his uh, his ears went for nine thousand, which doesn't seem like a lot, all things being equal. (laughs) Really? <laughs> um, yeah. So like one of Takuvma's costumes from the first season of, of discovery went for 900. Like we could have come together with for $900 guys. Come on. What are we doing are these, are
2: these So these are the, uh, what I'm looking at now, these are the ones that got listed here. Are they the props? Like, like yeah. even the even the badges from disco, right? Yeah. Um, Christopher Pike's beer hero
3: badge. Yep. The badges were expensive though. Like the, yeah. one of these badges here is almost $4,000. Um, some of the costumes the really like interesting ornate ones, like the Takuvma costume from the battle of the binary stars went for 4,250 U S. Um, some of them more basic ones went a little cheaper, uh, the tribbles, there was a lot of tribbles that were out here The 1200, a $1, thousand dollars for five or six, like real prop used in the show tribbles. Yeah, I'm sure lots. the
2: cosplay people were just all over this, right? Oh,
3: I mean, again, I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, my mom is the, is the costume designer. I think, could you imagine how much fun it would be to like, just have a real close up look at some of this stuff and how it was made and what they did. And like, that'd be really neat. My favorite piece was the, um, the torchbearers knife from the Vulcan. Hello. They've, they have this really cool designed ornate knife knife for 10 grand um that was really really neat um yeah yeah just really cool stuff in here though ha- Jaime what were you gonna bid on if you could bid on any of this stuff did you did you get very far into it
1: I didn't go very far but looking at this article um that you've got I probably would have gone with Sarek's robes from the Vulcan hello which went for 3,250 because it it looks snazzy it looks futuristic but you could also walk down the street like a normal person and uh, and blend in if you wanted to it's got a real <laughs> like refined look to it
2: yeah 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 i like I was looking at the phaser props, I like those we i mean, I bought some of the badges when they when they started This a company started making them officially, so I have a couple of um like command badges and stuff like that, but um the phasers were cool they had they had uh like the colored phasers which were painted and then they had um the ones that the background characters would use and they were they were much lower priced because they were just black right yeah but they they kind of look like they're 3d printed but they're but they're, they're in this case they're not they're sort of molded but um it looks like these you could, you could probably 3d print one of these
3: guys yeah it should be cool yeah yeah just don't get caught in it right <laughs> but yeah cool cool stuff like I, it's funny, I you know, I guess it makes sense because theoretically they're not going back to that era, so we don't need those old uniforms, we don't need that old, the old badges, we don't need the old Klingon uniforms if the the Discovery is now in the future, right? Yeah. So it makes sense that they could part with this stuff, uh, although, I mean, again, I'm sure this is, you know, this is probably, you know, one of the many variations they made of these costumes and stuff like that, it's not necessarily... How much did Burnham's one.
2: uniform go for from the, number 10 from the Vulcan Hello? does it say?
3: I didn't see that. When I saw her, her exercise kit went for like $1,200 or something, which I thought was yeah. both funny and a little creepy. Cause I'm sure someone was like, you know, yeah. Green wore mm-hmm. this and right. sweated uh-huh. in it. And like that's, that's just, exactly
2: what I was thinking. Too. Yeah.
3: That's, that's, that's not ideal. Um, yeah. yeah. What else we got in here? Yeah. There's just like there's if, it, if, it, and if
2: Mariner doesn't wear un- underwear on her uniform. That would be <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs>
3: We're just going to assume that's standard practice now. <laughs> Maybe but some of this stuff is super cool like uh, you have to go deeper into this thing but like they had detmers mirror universe uniform which is like the the skirt with the sleeves and the, like the really cool like battle sash and everything that went for six grand but you know again put that on a mannequin and put it like in the corner of your room that is a discussion piece that is a that's a very mm-hmm. cool thing to own mm-hmm. right yeah some of this stuff yeah it would have been nice to be able to, to pony up personally i'd have gone for the uh they had they had um, Killy's uniform in here from the alternate universe and I I haven't found it yet. I I know that's in here, I want to see how much it went for, but that uh A it was just a really cool uniform, and B, you know, she was such an awesome, awesome character. Killy. Right. Killy. Killy. Yes, Ensign Killy.
2: Or Commander Killy, I guess you I think right. it was Captain Captain Killy. Yeah, wasn't she Captain Killy? Oh Captain Killy, okay, maybe. Okay. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to your next story, John.
3: Yeah, so we talked in our previous episode about how Shang-Chi ended up being a big hit and has done well at the box office. And then we saw that Sony was like, great, we're going to move up Venom and we'll sort of see what the other dominoes that fall this fall now that they know that people are not terrified to go back to the movie theater. Well, sure enough, this week we got a little bit of confirmation that they are you know going right back to the theaters. So they have announced this is Disney that their rest of its 2021 slate will be exclusive to theaters. They're not doing day and date with uh Disney Plus. There is no more premium access accessing other movies. That is gone. So if you want to see The Eternals, if you want to see The Last Duel, if you want to see West Side Story, you must go see them in the theater or you must wait for uh yeah, longer. Till they come out to the Disney well, Plus. Well, like
2: it used to be back in the normal times, right? Like you, you, if you didn't see it in the theater, you had to wait till it came out on something, right? Yep.
3: So yeah, they're still saying it's it's same as Shang-Chi. It's going to be 45-day theatrical release window. So it's 45 days to play in the theater before they can put it on any other platform, which I assume will be disney plus and at that point i don't know if they then go into a premium premier access or if they go right into it's available for the fans i would imagine it probably goes to premium access because they, they can make an extra few bucks off it why wouldn't they but yeah, if, yeah sure. it sounds so we'll be in the same quandary that we were in around uh shang chi when we get to eternals if you want to see it there's one way to see it on november 5th you go to the theater or you don't see it so how is um shang chi doing now like
2: uh i'm just looking here at my app top box office still a top box office movie
3: well to be fair free, free there's not, right right not a lot it. it's competing against right now mm. well
2: according to this it's uh shang chi free guy malignant they at candy candy man uh jungle yeah. whatever so candy man came out jungle last week Bruiser. right i think so and then um and don't breathe right so those are, i don't know if this is in the order that they're performing but i like cash wise yeah. Yeah, yeah. it says top box office. I assume this is there. Oh, Paw Patrol is in sixth place. You'll be pleased to know, Jaime. So. Really?
1: There you go. Still in the top six. Rinches. Is
2: this the original Labyrinth? No, the original Labyrinth is back in the theaters. Hmm.
3: Yep. Really? What do you know? All right. Cool. Speaking of Disney, we got a trailer this week. We got the trailer for Hawkeye. And this one is a real one. We got a real look at, you know what's actually going to transpire on this new Disney Plus series. And we also got a date. We know that it's coming on November 24th. It seems to have a bit of a Christmas theme to it. You can hear the the jingle bells playing in the trailer. And uh, I'll be home for Christmas. So Hawkeye finds himself, uh, Clint Barton, that is, finds himself... Caught up with uh, finding out that someone is walking around dressed like the assassin that he was during Avengers Endgame, and uh, sort of says to his family, "Well, I'll be home for Christmas, but I got to go sort this out." And it seems like that is the uh, the Haley Steinfeld character, uh, would be Kate, Kate Bishop, who is well known to comic fans. And it seems like there's a uh, whole sort of passing of the torch storyline happening in there.
1: What did you guys make of the trailer, Jaime? Yeah, I think we were mentioning in our own chat that, like this is uh, this is Die Hard because it's you know Christmas and it's got the cop theme kind of going with it. Uh, definitely seems cool. I I had joked because of the Die Hard reference that like there's gonna be this showdown with the villain where Hawkeye has a bow and arrow duct taped to the back of his uh, <laughs> of his T shirt or something and he has to 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 take him out. But uh, it, it it looks fun and it looks like a very different kind of tone from anything else that we've gotten before, which is. Uh, I think kind of a nice feather in Disney's cap that uh, if you're watching all the various Marvel series, they're, they're definitely not the same. You're getting in for something different with each one.
3: Well, and that's what we come to expect from the movies, right? Like they're not just all sort of big action movies. There's, you know, more comedy, more suspense, more, you know, different genres, right?
2: Yeah. It looks interesting. I mean, like, I I totally got the diehard theme as well from, from that. But, uh yeah, he, can't this say, is be,
3: he, he can't say the line, though, Tim. He can't say yippee Kaye" yay blank, yeah, blank. Can't, yeah, this we can't this, say this is a Disney
2: show. <laughs> we can't say it either. Well, actually, <laughs> I don't know if that's true, because, because uh, well, like Star Trek, uh, it's interesting that they don't bleep some words on, like I watched the, the show on Crave today. On television, they do bleep more than on the lower decks than they do on, on Crave, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I kind of wonder, because, I mean, there have been some some Disney stuff that where people have dropped bombs you know well um, I mean
3: here in Canada we get Star which is essentially Hulu and yeah. you can actually watch all five Die Hard movies on the Disney Plus app here yeah. in Canada so yeah. yeah that's cool yeah I don't know this this was one of the ones I was looking forward to most. Again, it seems like they're going to be like eight
2: episodes again, like the rest of them. They or didn't six? say I, that okay. I could
3: see, but yeah, it's it's probably in that same sort of ballpark. I don't know if they're going to do you know six or eight. It's starting on the twenty fourth, and it does make me wonder: is it going to be over before Christmas? Is it going to be you know? Is it you know? It seems like they're doing the same runtime for all these shows, whether it's Loki or whether it's uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, whether it's it's WandaVision. All the shows are roughly the same length. It was just how they broke them up as far as times of of particular episodes. And that's how you get the different numbers. But I I do wonder if it's going to be sort of timed to end right before Christmas or if it's going to be carrying over the holidays, how they how they broke that up. Right. Right. And what about Furiosa? Furiosa. So this is, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how you guys feel about, you know, Mad Max, but you know, when, when you know you have somebody, you know, like George Miller who works on his movies as long and as carefully as he does, you know, you're you're kind of willing to wait. Although, you know, uh, he's not a young man anymore. He's been making these Mad Max movies for thirty five years, forty years almost. It. uh you don't know how long you want to wait. So they announced this week that Furiosa, which is the spin-off, it's a prequel to the, uh, Mad Max Fury Road movie. And, uh, Furiosa will be played by Anya Taylor-Joy, who is playing the role that, uh, Charlize Theron played in the first one. And they announced it's going to be bumped. So it was supposed to come out in June of 2023, which was already kind of a ways off. Now it's coming out in May of 2024. And, uh, it sounds like, I, I, it's funny because I didn't really know all the details about this article from Deadline has a bit of the background on it. So uh, apparently they're going to spend 350 million bucks to make this thing. And uh, it's going to be quite the quite the massive production. It's got, you know, Alfre Woodard and, um, you know, a whole sort of star cast in here, Chris Hemsworth, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. It, you know, it, it sounds like they're planning to do another big movie and if anybody here has seen Fury Road you'll know it's a big movie a lot not a lot happening but a lot happening uh we drive one way we turn around we drive the other way um but really really epically anyways I'm excited but that's a long 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 wait to have this movie come out you know I guess we shouldn't be surprised he's made, you know, five of these movies and it's taken him 40 years that it's going to take a little longer. I'm just He gonna... made the original Road Warrior too? He did. Yeah, he's okay. done he's yeah. done the whole shebang, which is funny. Um I'm just going to quickly look up George Miller's age because I seem to recall he's not a young man. Uh well, he, he's 76. I mean, yeah. So he's seventy six and turned seventy six this year, so he'll be into his, you know, close close to eighty by the time this movie hits screens. And again, that's obviously no disparagement. He's clearly still uh, you know, at the top of his game making movies like, like that. But uh yeah, it's uh it kinda kinda help but wonder if this, you know, might be his last film too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well twenty twenty four, it's a long way off, right?
3: It is. It is. And, you know, again, he's he's taking six, seven years, sometimes 10 years between pictures, unless he's going to kick out another one at 90. This this might be the last George Miller movie. So, yeah. Uh, Next up, Netflix has ordered a series based on the Dark Horse comic Grendel. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Grendel. Grendel was a a real sort of cult comic uh, drawn, created by Matt Wagner, again, sort of a a comic fan's comic creator. Uh, He, uh, Grendel is an assassin, sort of this dark sort of vigilante type character, masked. People don't know who he is. Uh, The other really interesting part of the fact, beyond the fact that they've uh, finally decided to to use this property which i think a lot of comic fans recognized was was ripe to to get into because it's a really well-realized world and a character that's been around for again 35 years uh is that uh, abu Bakr ali who uh, was on the is on the katie Keene show that's on uh cw uh, who's in power book two uh, and he's gonna be the star. So the first Arab Muslim male actor to portray a series lead in a comic movie. So that's kind of cool. Um, so I'm curious to see what they do with this one. I think those of us who are sort of longtime comic fans always wondered, you know, how is they could avoid this one because it doesn't it, it's not big budget. It's not, you know, uh, a you know blow must of it. It's more like Daredevil. think think Daredevil from Netflix. That's sort of where the world of of Grendel is. that sort of dark you know urban vigilantism kind of stuff so that i'm i'm keen i'm keen to see how this turns out because i really like that character and i think this could be really good
1: mm-hmm. yeah i'm not cool. familiar with the character but looking at the um comic panel that they have here i was going to ask you if this is going to be like the live action daredevil on netflix because it certainly had that vibe
3: yeah, it is. It is that sort of similar kind of world, and I, I actually, it's funny. I've met and and um, spoken with Matt before, and I I never thought to ask him if if there was sort of a uh, inspiration there. But I think so many comic creators were influenced by Frank Miller's Daredevil of that era. That I, it's hard to imagine that, that didn't have some sort of um, psychic effect on on how that played out. Cool. All right. Also well, it looks like they're gonna be another um Tomb
2: Raider series, uh, animated this time and uh Haley Atwell uh, from um Captain America and uh Agent and now Carter. Uh, Agent Carter and uh what's but what she has she's called something else in uh well, she's Captain Carter. Uh, what now. If. Captain Carter in what if, yes. The character that is, but not Haley Atwell. Um yeah, so this is coming from Square Enix and, you know, the people who own Tomb Raider. So this is gonna be another interesting Fun fact uh, fantasy action based you know story uh this one here she's gonna be in mexico looks like
3: oh yeah, okay. And th- you, I think you had a really good good point when we were, before we were recording that you know it's funny that they didn't cast uh, Alicia Vikander, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if this is going to be a drawn drawn version of of um, Laura
2: Croft, then that makes sense. Uh, and Haley, Haley Atwell's you know uh, voice sounds closer to the what you would expect from the game uh, with um, with uh, um, this character. By the way, do you know which Indian actress was going to play Laura Croft? Or played Laura Croft for a long time, in like as a model, and is a movie actress now, and expected to play her, but didn't get the part. Is that Priyanka Chopra? No, nope. no, Rona, nope. Rona Mitra, nope. Rona, Rona Mitra.
3: That's right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It's, you know, it's a distant relative of mine. Like, <laughs> Aren't they all? Well, I think yeah. I think it's a pretty common name in in India, but yeah. So I just you know. Small angle. Just a little surprise. Yep. Yeah. So well, looking forward to that one, I guess. That's going to be. Uh, do you know what that's going to be on, John? Does it say? Netflix. Yeah. The Netflix. The Netflix. And the, Hulu.
3: the Netflix. Alrighty. Meanwhile, over at uh, HBO Max, they dropped the first trailer for Aquaman, King of Atlantis. It's funny because when I envisioned that without seeing what they were conceiving, I imagined when that, with a title like King of Atlantis, I imagined that it was going to be. Some sort of grand, you know, how he runs his empire kind of, you know, sword and sorcery kind of thing. But I don't know if you guys watched this trailer, but it's it's like a farce. It looks like yeah. it, it looks like a judge. SpongeBob SquarePants. Meets yeah. Dr. Mm-hmm, Seuss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and not in a bad way, just not at all what I was expecting. Do you uh, do you guys think this would be something you would watch? I don't know. <laughs> Aquaman's kind of funny character. Like, if you if
2: you if you watch The Big Bang Theory, um, you know they always dressed up as as the the is it Justice League? I guess it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And um, you know they would they would get uh, um, Penny's boyfriend Zach to play Superman because he's the big muscular guy, mm-hmm. and and uh, they would all sort of you know take on the you know Spider Man and whatever and the Flash and that kind of stuff. And it was always Kuchipuli who ended up playing. Aquaman, yeah. it was sort of the character nobody wanted to play, right? Mm-hmm. So and he had that goofy sort of seahorse kind of you know yeah. extension on his costume, but uh, and and even like you know even with Jason Momoa playing Aquaman, it was kind of like I mean he was he played a really good portrayal, and obviously you know being from Hawaii that makes sense, but um, yeah, just Aquaman always just sort of it sort of to me has a, even on the Saturday morning cartoon they used to have an Aquaman on the Justice League, right? And he was kind of cool, but like you know, what kind of dolphin and a whale do most on most days when you're fighting, you know, arch villains and stuff? But
3: hey, two thirds of the earth, man, two thirds of the earth. Yeah, but still, I mean, you know, like, like,
2: <laughs> really, it's a
3: stretch, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, they, there's been a lot of things over the years that have uh, sort of, you know, uh, taken the taken the uh, piss out of out of Aquaman. Although I will say as a, as a longtime comic reader there have been some really excellent takes in the comics where he is you know he's just an absolutely formidable force and really really cool and done as a really seriously interesting character and you know I, I love that in in order to obviously help diversify the the Justice League they cast Jason to to be the to be the Aquaman in the in the, the DC uh, oh as opposed to a-haired blonde guy yeah. yeah yeah I mean it, it, like I I rarely if at all have any issues with them diversifying uh long established characters because i think obviously you know these were movie uh, these were characters created you know 75 years ago by white people working for white people it's time to get with the times uh, i think you know that was a ripe for, for a changeover character. And, and I think he's killed it as that character. So that's, that's a good one, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Cause it's, this show seems like it's leaning into the joke. Right. And I, whereas they've, they've really tried to sort of rehab Aquaman by casting Jason Momoa. And now they're sort of leaning back into the joke. It's kind of a weird sort of simultaneous expression of their, their feelings about the character.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I uh I'll, I'll end up watching it I I do like seeing where they're going with this it's it's like continue to subscribe to HBO Max it's effectively free for you know like I might as well and I also find it kind of interesting that this style of um art design this um kind of organic round kind of loose style I'm seeing a trend so if you look at the Tuca and Bertie uh mm-hmm. which is uh, was on Netflix now on Adult Swim Cartoon Network if you look at that style if you look at the interstitial animations for um aquafina as nora from queens it also uses that same kind of um I don't, I don't know what to call it I, i'm not tim this is probably your area with the bfa right like there probably is a name for this art but i can see the pattern between the the through line between those
2: yeah well i think i think like i only watched like the first 10 seconds of the of the clip and, and immediately i got you know like i said um you know, SpongeBob SquarePants meets Doctor Seuss kind of thing, like you know, that sort of. It's it's a it's it's a I don't know if it's comic book style, but it's a cartoon style, like you know, where you know you've got the the key lines and and the filled in colors. So it's typical of like Simpsons or Family Guy kind of style illustration, but obviously with the you know the bubbles and the underwater stuff, and you know that's the immediate the immediate impression I got of it. I'll Have to wait and see. It did it did seem seem a little bubblegumish bubblegumish to me. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. Like you know, some the question to John when John asked, "Would I watch it?" I don't know. I, I'd have to see. I have to maybe watch an episode or two and see if it really uh, works for me, right? So same as same with Prodigy. I think you know that's another one that's going to be um, interesting, depending on on the target. I mean, the target we we talked about is is kids, right? For Prodigy, is this targeting young children as well, right? Like what's the what's the
3: yeah? But then you can make that case. We talked about it previously. We, we could make that case for Clone Wars, but I love Clone Wars. You make that case for yeah, Rebels, and I true. love Rebels. Yeah. So yeah, no, yeah,
2: yeah. No, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that anything wrong with with the with the 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 style of thing. It's it's not Rick and Morty. No, right. Um, but I mean, like, is it, it like the Marvel movies are not? I mean, yeah, a lot of kids watch the Marvel movies, right? But I don't know. If the, I don't know if I would necessarily say a Marvel movie is for a young kid, right? um you know you have young cousins who watch the marvel movies and, oh, yeah. and yet you know like when 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 did when did xavier get to watch or foster get to watch those you know
3: um, well, well so far my youngest foster has i don't i think he's watched two of the 20 plus he watched the guardians movies and he he seemed to enjoy them but he really hasn't expressed a lot of interest in mind you he, i don't think he's seen most of the star wars movies either he and it's not for a lack of of liking he's just like i got better things to do with my time than watch movies Um, (laughs) whereas my older son i think he was probably it's probably been about five or six years so he's probably like 12 i think when i started letting him watch the marvel movies 12 13 which i think was probably fine like i don't feel like he was in in over his depth or anything
2: Yeah. Whereas like when I was raised, there was no, my parents had no clue.
3: So, you know, I could, I pretty much could see just about anything I wanted really. Oh, same. You know, my, my mom used to drop me with a a tin of Coke and a, and a baggie full of popcorn at the afternoon matinee. She said, you have two choices. You can go watch a movie. I don't care which one, or you can come with me to the fabric store and do some shopping. And so I watched movies like every weekend for my entire childhood and I loved it. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. babysat by bruce willis what can i say
3: well yeah i mean that's how i saw <laughs> things in the theaters like you know some of the star trek movies and goonies and you know i mean you name a movie from the the early mid 80s on to the you know to the late 80s i saw the, a lot of it in the theater yeah yeah by the way a
2: friend, I, I spoke to a friend of ours on on uh recently and he said i don't know how you guys on
3: spotcast have time to watch all these things and I said, I don't really know either. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, we're going to have to send a letter to Paramount if they make a sixth Star Trek show. I'm not sure we have time for that, but, uh, but we're managing so far. Uh, and, you know, it would be a lot easier if we owned ourselves a copy of Amazing Fantasy 15 because the debut issue where we meet the Amazing Spider-Man is now the world's most expensive comic book. Uh, so... I found this personally as a comic book fan, reader, and collector. I found this absolutely fascinating because for the longest time there has been this sort of 1A, 1B fight over what's the most valuable comic book in the world between Action Comics number one, which is from 1938's first appearance of Superman, and Detective Comics number 27, and that is the first appearance of Batman. And those two things have sort of gone back and forth over the years as the most valuable comics, you know, starting off with, you know, oh my god, I can't believe that comic book is worth fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, four hundred thousand, a million, a million five. Well, guess what, kids? If you want to buy the uh almost pristine copy of amazing fantasy It's the nicest known copy in existence it's a 9.6 out of 10 rated by the cgc the comics grading company if you want to get your hands on that you can get it and it just sold and made the highest sale price for any comic book ever at 3.6 million dollars wow yeah that is nothing to sneeze at. So that has blown uh, Detective Comics 27, which was the previously high selling price for a book, at $1.5 million. And uh, there was a copy of Marvel Comics number 1 from 1939. That's the first original Human Torch. Uh, obviously, the very first Marvel, quote-unquote, Marvel Comics, although it was not actually Marvel Comics the company. It was Marvel Comics the book. Uh, it was over $1.26 million in 2019. But uh, yeah, this is this is unbelievable how much this book has gone for. And uh, I mean, I honestly I first of all, I can't believe that there is a copy of this book from 1963 in this condition. It's shocking. But uh, to go from 12 cents to three point six million dollars is not a bad little little nest egg. A little profit. yeah. 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 So yeah. all I'm saying is if you live in an old house, maybe think about ripping the walls out, see if you can find a copy. You might be sitting yeah. on a... On a an yeah, but if center. you're sitting in
2: the walls, it's not going to be this quality. That seriously.
3: Being, yeah, it will be that quality. is true. I, there was a story from a few years back about somebody who did that, who was renovating an old house and basically pulled it out and pulled out a stack of books. They weren't in great condition, but I think they still ended up paying for like, you know, $50,000 worth of renovations for their house because somebody had stuffed <laughs> yeah. comic books as insulation in their walls. Wow.
1: You could be sitting on a gold mine. All like all those Mickey Mantle cards that were used in the the baseball. That's um, of the the bicycle spokes,
3: bicycles. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. breaks your yeah. heart. We used to do that with Wayne Gretzky rookie cards. So I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, Bobby Orr. Yeah, Ken Dryden. Oh yeah. yeah. I I don't know if I would have put Bobby Orr or Ken Dryden
2: on on my bike, but I would have put some of the you know lesser known guys. You know, the journeyman hockey players, they would end up on my bike for sure. <laughs> yeah. Who knew? Who knew? Well, you know what it is—is is people like me, who grew up trading hockey cards in in the in the you know the playground at school, are the ones who are now paying you know three point six million dollars for a comic book at this grade, right? Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I they got bit by the bug. There's something in the yeah. gum that they used to put in the hockey cards, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Infects your us. brain. It makes your brain go rotten. We have a new disney plus movie that's coming which is a remake of the 1980s flight of the navigator coming to disney plus that uh i actually haven't seen that one in years i wonder if it still holds up i mean it's it's practical effects so probably mostly does but a kid who finds a a spaceship with a, an ai on it and they go on adventures it's a, it's a fun one
2: but I, I, I think I saw this one within the last 10 years. I never, I never saw it when it was first out, but I did watch it recently and I didn't think it was that bad. And it's kind of like, you know, if you think about it from the parents' point of view, like their kid disappears for like 10 years or something, right? And comes back as this young kid, right? Isn't
1: that true? I forgot that fact. They So that's what happens, huh? Like, yeah. I mostly remember them flying around and then the guy's like, the little kid's like, I got to take a leak. You know, he's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I, I got I to gotta take a leak. And then they're underwater at some point. He's like, you know, I don't leak you leak, you know? So it's, it's good, good fun in my head. And I'm hoping it holds up I watch it. Yeah. What do you think, John? You've seen this movie.
3: Yeah. I I mean, I, I guess it's easy to see how this one makes sense as a remake just because it is a sort of a timeless concept and the same way we talked about last starfighter being remade at one point you know the idea mm-hmm. of a kid who plays a video game and then gets drafted into the you know space cadets makes perfect sense and and play with the navigator same thing you know kid sort of forms bond with spacecraft has adventures seems like an absolutely perfect thing to to redo and you, you mean can, he's
2: not kidnapped by this ki- this alien creature and taken to another planet and probed and then, <laughs> then returned 10 years later <laughs>
3: well you yeah, apparently he's pickled for that that period of time according to the to the plot of the movie but yeah i, I also thought it was interesting this movie i think it said uh, bryce dallas howard's going to be the director for this too um of oh, course yeah. she's uh you know ron howard's daughter so she probably famous for doing an episode of the mandalorian yeah, that's right yeah she's uh uh clearly she's uh learned a, little, a thing or two uh, uh working with her very talented director dad and also uh you know again she's a pretty pretty prominent actor she was a co-star of uh the jurassic park trilogy so yeah she got quite the career going it's good for her yeah cool
2: all right well we're at that part of the show where we talk about star trek lower Decks this time we're talking about season two episode 16 the spy among us the spy the Spy hum- among Us, among us. Among us, yes Among us Humongous. among us, yeah, so it starts off with captain's log five eight one one oh five point one I don't know if that has any significance, but that's a, that sounds a quite a ways in the future, right um and talking about doing a uh, um captain Freeman and is heading, heading down with shacks to do a recon, uh, to do a try to convince the pack-led people that they should ha- have a ceasefire since they've been you know you know Creating wreaking havoc throughout the galaxy for the last year or so, and they the Packled called their 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 homeworld Packled Planet. Yeah, so it would be a huge achievement for her to have to to negotiate this this uh, ceasefire. And uh, Shaq says, "Yeah, you're doing card level work here. You know that they might give you an Enterprise." And she's like, "I don't think so. You know that that's asking too much, but." Uh, she, and famous last words as they're beaming down, she says, it's just the pack lids. It can't be that complicated. Right. Which is duh, 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 yeah, the best
3: thing you want to say at the beginning of a Star Trek episode. Yeah. It can't be
2: that bad. How bad can it be? Um, yeah. So she gets down there and immediately they welcome captain Janeway and like, no, no, I'm, I'm captain Freeman. And, and she says to the the person who greets her, you know, I'm here to, to see if you guys who would be interested in doing, a. Ceasefire, and he says, "I don't have a big enough helmet to make this decision for make ceasefires." And so they, somebody runs out from the big citadel and yells, "Hey, yeah, prisoner Rumdar has escaped to her ship!" And of course, now the 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 packlet are all upset at at Captain Janeway, and they decide that you know, well, if he can't come, uh, if he can't return, then we'll keep her here. Uh, meanwhile, she she communicates to Ransom and says, is this, "There doesn't happen to be a pack lead on the ship?" And uh, Kayshawn is the name of the, of the um, other guy, right? Yep. Uh, okay, I, okay, I didn't catch his name at the beginning, but I just added it in here. But they they affirm that in fact there is this pack lead. So she, they're given the task of running around and getting her. And then, of course, they, you know, Janeway stays here, and then we—that's the beginning, the end of the cold opening, and we roll to the the titles and the title sequence. Meanwhile, we start off obviously in the mess hall where the lower deck crew are find out that they're assigned a new duty and that's you know, just a great way to start the day and they're going to be doing anomaly consolidation duty or ACD as they like to call it um and uh you know tendy's kind of excited about it and boiler's kind of excited about it and mariner's like no way man this is just like collecting the trash that the <laughs> space trash the senior officers space trash on the on the uh get from their discarded projects and stuff like that and rutherford points out that this is dangerous space trash that can't just be simply recycled and recombined into other things right so and Tendy's like well maybe it'll be fun you know like as typical tendy kind of sounds right but uh, as uh Boimler gets up from his table. From the table, he trips and his porridge ends up pouring all over his head and, of course, Tendy busts a gut laughing at him because he looks so funny and that kind of stuff. So that's going to come back later to haunt Boimler. Um, and as he's walking across the cafeteria, he sees another series of lower deck type people uh, headed by Ensign Casey who calls him over and says, Hey, he wants them to come and join the red shirts they're calling themselves, which is, of course, humorous because... We all know the red shirts don't really survive. And um, asking, they, they're impressed by the fact that he worked on the Titan, with, with uh, Riker. So they're they're thinking if you can trade some Riker secrets to us, we'll you know teach you how to be a, a officer material. So they want to be, they all want to be captains and stuff like that. And you know, you're a you're a legend. You can help us level up our our skill kind of thing. They tell him, and uh, Casey tells him there's an act, acting captain's duty coming up, and you know. And, uh, when, when first time I watched it, he said, says, but I have ACD and I thought he, I thought he meant like, um, ADD, you know, or OCD. <laughs> yeah. OCD. Yeah. Well, ADD, you know, actor uh, attention deficit syndrome, Yeah. you know, anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I know. What's that. And then as they're, you know, we'll teach you how to carry yourself off as a leader. And as, they're, as they're walking away, you know, Casey says, Excelsior, isn't that what, um, Stan Lee used to say? That's right. That's straight from Stan's yeah. playbook. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, and, of course, you know, Mariner's looking across. He's got the big furrow on her face. He's just, like, cozying up to those guys, those red shirts to get out of a trash. duty. That's such a great idea, he says, you know, um, which is, you know, typical of, of Lordecks. They always turn around uh, what you think is going to be a disaster they think is great, you know, kind of thing. Um, and so, meanwhile, um, um, Ransom and uh, K'Shawn are walking with uh, with uh, Ramdar, the the Pakled, who's escaped the ship, and, ask, you know, asking him what kind of what kind of a message you get in yourself into that you're asking for asylum. And, and, uh, he says, I want to see how your shields work. And of course, you know, Keishon <laughs> and Keishon and, uh, ran some look at each other and kind of, you know, take a, take a private moment to sort of say, Hmm. And, and uh, Keishon says, the, are you getting the he when he pulled back the veil vibes? I don't get the reference, but I'm sure it means something to somebody. Um, but yeah, sort of, yeah, they, they agree, yeah, maybe he's he's here as a spy. Uh, of course, they, they communicated to, to um, Captain Jane Ray right down on the planet that that's the <laughs> case. And uh, she says, well, you know, do uh, you think it's a challenge? He's going to get away with something. And Ransom says, I don't think it'll be that much of a problem. He just took a picture of his own foot, <laughs> you know, so... They, so, they really uh, are
3: they really are excellent foils for this season. Like the packlids are the perfect enemy for a lower decks season. Yeah, because they're just comical, right? They're just mm-hmm. the worst. They're just the worst. And it's I love how hyper up they're playing all the weird packlidness of them.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um so anyway, so they, we we turn back to the uh the lower decks crew who come across across Ransom's uh quarters and they're like, oh, Ransom has some unlabeled crystals and so they start picking up the crystals very carefully, and then Kendy picks up one and picks up a skull that's in a in a sort of container tube, and ends up dropping it. And all this and and uh, Rutherford says, "Be careful! That's all over the planet, the planet where they all things evolved weird." And or as soon as it hits the ground, it's, it affects um, Rutherford, and he starts to balloon up into this big balloon guy. And and uh, they're trying to figure out what to do, and you know mariner's riding him on the back and that kind of stuff as he's bouncing around the room and she yells at uh, tendy gret Gret, smear the red stuff under his nose and they do that and of course that like i guess like a smelling salt kind of reverses the effect and uh and um rutherford shrinks down to normal and then tendy says you just experienced full molecular engorgement in a matter of seconds did it feel amazing
3: (laughs) (laughs) she really can turn anything into a moment of sunshine
2: yeah for sure for sure right. Um, anyway, so, uh, you know, then you see the, the red shirts walking with Boimler and they're like, uh, Casey says, well, so how many times did Riker clean his trombone? And Which sounds uh, like the best metaphor I've ever heard, by the way, the yeah. best,
3: best euphemism <laughs> for, uh, well,
2: he, the trombone comes up a little bit later too. So, uh, cause he does say, he does say as he's walking away, I learn, really learned how to blow some brass, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> which might be the dirtiest line so far in Lower Decks. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, it, but you know, of course, um, Boomer says, Yeah, he did it all the time. It was really distracting, right? <laughs> or disruptive, <laughs> I guess, right? Um anyway, Ransom's taking Ramdar. they they take him to the secret gift shop and get him a t shirt and they offer to take him to the secret juice bar and and uh says, No, I want to see I want to see the warp core and <laughs> and then you know they're they're talking to uh Captain Janeway on the planet again and, and uh as they turn around they, they take a moment to themselves to sort of talk about how they can fool him and course they turn back and he's gone he's disappeared which is a typical trope and these kind of things and they're like where did he go and they're running around trying to figure out where he's gone meanwhile the lower deck continue to find all kinds of anomalies and just little short little vignettes where mariner tends to get like whenever um rutherford or tendy exposes some you know harmful thing mariner always gets the worst of it like the the flowers that spray in her face from the vulcan where, where the ones that make uh spock uh fall in love with the character in that yep. In the movie Yep. Um, you know, and, and big g- red gloms to the, to the roof of the the ship. Back on planet Pakled, uh, Janeway, uh, is offered some rotten mushroom, and she turns it down, and they're all upset. She turned down the mushroom. Uh, meanwhile, the queen of, uh, Pakled, the Pakled queen shows up, and, uh, she says, you can't kill Ramdar, we're gonna kill Ramdar, and, and, um, no one's killing Ramdar, he's perfectly fine, and. He's in the bathroom and he says, you know, well, I want to speak to him right away. Well, he's in the bathroom and he says, you should negotiate a, a ceasefire. <laughs> oh, I don't have a big enough helmet for that, she says, you know. And uh, I wonder if Riker has a big helmet. Anyway. Um, I didn't like that one sitting for me.
3: Thank you very much. <laughs> <a> big Don't <laughs> forget to tip your waitress. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Try the deal.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Boimler, Boimler you need uh Boimler, you need to look like a leader, the red shirts are telling him. And you know, you, you know, they talk about his uniform and how the uniform is wearing you. You're not wearing the uniform, right? Uh and uh, you know, so so then, then the line comes up, Did did Riker modify his uniform? And and uh Boimler says, Well yeah, they did have to make his pants bigger for the Trombone, I mean for <laughs> his legs. Because, <laughs> you know, he's tall. Yeah, because he's tall, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you know they're talking about his hair and how there's something wrong with his hair. And it's it's Jen, the Andorian, who's talking to him, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she says, uh, you know, would you follow that hair into battle? And well, no, I guess I wouldn't, right? So they they take him in back and they they pad his uniform and they and they give him the you know the side the short sideburns, the side cut uh, of his hair, and he looks like you know real svelte looking guy, and he's all puffed up and
3: yeah, they stick the shoulder pads into his uniform.
2: Yeah, exactly. They've had his uniform. Yeah, no, he's talking to the. He he's met um, Tendy and, and the lower deck crew coming out of one of the quarters, and with his new hair and all that kind of stuff. And he runs off, says, "Gotta go." And, and I'll talk to you guys later. I'll catch up with you later about your fabulous ACD that you're doing. Um, and then uh, well, you,
3: you missed out on Boimler's speech. They make him give the speech.
2: Tendy says at one point they flash back to Tendy, and, and she's like, "You know, how often do we get to experience these things? This is great." And it's you know, really apologetic to to um, Rutherford and Mariner who are not having a great day. Yeah, the Mariner pitches are out. <laughs> Red shirts, you know, convince Boimler to do it to do a, a rousing speech for this for this his crew, and he gives a sort of weak, weak sort of boimler type speech. They give so they pump him up and tell him how to do it, and talking about how the bridge isn't where you go to sit; the bridge follows you around. And so he gives this really inspiring speech and uh, impresses them all. Right, so. Yeah. So anyway, so Tendy's uh, Tendy's annoyed at the other two for not you know taking looking in, looking at the bright side of this uh, this uh, activity of getting the anomaly collection uh, duty. So she says, "Okay, I'll fine. I'll do it myself." And so mirror like brother were like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." And they sit down and they relax, right? So, meanwhile, in the in the room, uh, Tendy picks up like a broken sword and a bunch of other things. She finds a storybook with the three, it says three little pigs on it, and she opens it up, and these three giant pigs jump out of the out of the book and you know manifest and start running around, and and uh, you know she's trying to. Uh, Course them back in, and she ends up going back out into the hallway and knocks over a tube, and and this gelatinous blob pops out and turns into this big giant slug creature, which then eats her, and she's screaming, and you know, um, Mariner's saying, "Try not to get digested." While they're trying to figure out how to get her, wh- which hyper spray to attack the uh, the monster with, and uh, eventually um, the gelatinous blob poops Tendy out the back end of him, <laughs> and she's covered in in feces for lack of a better mm-hmm. word yep. um and she's not real happy now she's dis- she's dis- she's discovered that acd is the worst yeah. activity on the planet on the ship right
3: with one of the great lines from mariner who among us has not been pooped out of a giant By alien, creature? alien yeah,
2: creature yeah exactly yeah exactly um so the king king pack shows up on the planet and and you know Mar- or uh captain jane ray's like oh great i'll go talk to him and and uh, then the Emperor shows up and, and he's got an even bigger helmet and, you know, she's thinking, okay, I'll go talk to these guys. And as she's just about to make her opening speech to these to these gentlemen, um, or these two, the King and the Queen, or the Emperor and the Queen. Um, Oh no, so the King of the Pakleds comes out and then the Emperor comes out. Yeah. Did I not say that? Yeah. Okay. So as she's about to make her speech to the King and the Queen... Uh, a rebellion breaks out, and and a bunch of packleds you know, come and attack, and they they stab the emperor in the back, and the one packled grabs his helmet and holds it up in the air and says, "Now they'll never be able. The big helmets will never be able to, you know, rule us." And then, he, of course, he realizes, "Oh, I've got the big helmet." Puts it on himself and says, "Now I'm the leader of the planet," kind of thing, right? So. So he's the b- big leader and behold, my giant helmet, what a, big, a lot <laughs> of big helmets. And they all drop show. to
3: a knee because of course they do. Yeah, exactly. Cause they're pack lads, right? Uh,
2: anyway, so um, the, the red shirts are now still coaching, uh, um, you know, walking through the hallways being real suave and debonair and um, uh, they're telling uh, Boyler you have to, you have to live like a captain now, you, you know and uh he's like but those are my friends over there he points to the lower deck people and he goes those people they're always up to their their elbow in some type of slime and we work in starfleet they work for starfleet right uh and you know he's like but they're my friends he goes this is a fr- is it, this isn't a friendship this is a starship you know are you a star you know and uh anyway so Tandy um is a little annoyed and she's she's now she's now starting to see the the negative side of of this activity and she's picks up this cube and she's she's you know her attitude is starting to shift and she can't figure out why but as she's getting more and more angry she starts turning into this giant uh green scorpion creature you know and starts thrashing around the ship and um smashing things she breaks into the and she's you know she's saying lower deck sucks and the ship sucks and she's got a really bad mood and she turns into this this uh green scorpion creature and attacks the the mess hall and you know the brad boimler says we got to do something here like we've got to and they also the the red all run into the mess hall and start giving these you know captain speeches right <laughs> yeah uh, speaking in platitudes and, and, of course <laughs> yeah yeah and of course you know and then and all the crew are looking at them like with big smiles in their face and and Brandt, Boimler says, aren't you actually going to do something? And so he runs in and uh, he meets up with the Rutherford Mariner and, and this. he says, was she, did she touch an orb? No, it was a cube, you know, And um, which is a great, you know, geometry joke. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so uh, he goes, oh, it was a Ataxian mood shifter. I know what to do. So he runs over to the replicator and starts ordering food, like beans to throw on his head. and and get Tandy to laugh and uh, so he keeps trying this, uh, different kinds of food and things like that and, and eventually you know she's still thrashing around and eventually he, ke- he just ends up like getting the replicator to fire like all kinds of food at him and, and uh, at which point Tendy starts to laugh and the laughter changes her mood and she turns back into her regular self right
3: laughter is the um, best medicine
2: laughter is laughter I guess laughter and thanks for saving me she says right so and then uh, you know meanwhile we we missed the part. Oh yeah, so there's so R- Ransom and uh and Keishon are still looking for, for uh Rumdar. They can't find him anywhere and meanwhile they they got knocked over by the big giant uh um scorpion at one point too. So they they, they get up and they're like, Oh, we never should have underestimated Rumdar and then they, they happen to look out the window and uh Keishon says, Shankar? And then uh they realize that they see Ramdar floating, free floating and outside the ship, frozen, right? Um Anyway, so they bring him back in the ship, and the doctors like can't believe he survived being frozen, and he explains to them he thought that he was in a bathroom, and he went to flush, uh, he ended up you know getting ejected out this little this little uh, window, and, um, and of course Ramson says, "Are you sure you weren't in an airlock?" You know. Oh so, yeah, um, and he says, "Well, can I have the codes now?" Right. <laughs> So meanwhile they decide to get rid of Ramdar, so they beam him back down to the planet and uh so he beams into the middle of the room where, where uh Captain Janeway slash uh Freeman are talking to the the Pack leads and uh the the new emperor guy, whatever he's calling himself, yes, We tricked you, Janeway. Ramdar was a spy. Ha 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 and uh and uh, she says, "Well, what did you discover when you were on the when you were on the ship?" He goes, well, "She's not Janeway. She's Captain Freeman." And like, what? She's Captain Freeman? And she says, "I've been trying to tell you that this whole time, right?" <laughs> anyway, she and then she says, "You know, you were an amazing spy. I totally didn't even get that. Like, what what information did you did you were you keeping from us so I can see how just amazing you were?" He goes, "I didn't tell you anything about the big plan to smuggle a, a Verusian bomb onto Earth and." At which point, you know, the two of them like just are have had enough, and so they, they uh, rocks, uh, shacks, and uh, shacks, and uh, Janeway beam back up to the ship, and then of course, you know, the the emperor goes, "Wait, you just beat Janeway!" <laughs> and they all they all cheer, right? So, the Tendi's now sorry that she she sorry to to the to the crew that she requested the ACD the act and. and I'm sorry, I requested the ACD. I went to all scorpion on you," she says. Um, and uh, meanwhile, Ransom and, and uh, the other guys are talking. And Boomer's like, "I've had enough of you guys." And um, Ransom walks by, and uh, Casey says, "Hey, can uh, can I'd like to apply for the um, the cat the acting captain's duty?" And uh, Ransom's like, "Yeah, whatever. I don't care. You can do it." And then, uh, but as he's walking by Bullinger, he says, "You know, really good job, Bill Quick thinking in the mess hall. He showed real leadership, which is the moral of this episode, I think. Right?" Um, and then uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, red shirt ladies says to him, "Do you want to catch a Winger Bingsome show sometime?" And I don't know if you guys remember, but he had a one man show called the United Federation of Characters last season. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: Anyway, so uh, the bridge, co- bridge crew are on the ship, and uh, up on the um, uh, the bridge crew are on the bridge, and they decide to go have a drink and relax after this harrowing day they had, and that leaves Casey by himself, and he's got his eye on the captain's chair, and he goes sits down, and as soon as he sits down, Shaxx walks in, okay, next shift is here, get out of my chair, and kicks him out of the chair, and go clean up airlock 17, the pack lid did something unspeakable in there. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, so anyway, so the, we're back in the, the lower decks quarters and they're, they're talking about their adventures of the day and, uh, Marin says, well, we, you know, we got nothing out of that whole exercise and Mariner says, well, we got this. And she holds up a sub manifold casting stone and, you know, Boimler recognizes it right away. And, you know, we can, we can, you know, beam our voices to another planet, you know, kind of thing. And, and won't that be fun? And, and Tendy says, what are we going to do? Prank call Armus? You know the guy—the guy who killed uh, Tashi Ar? the skin of evil, the skin of evil. Yes, and so you know. So the next thing you know, they're they're like, "Hey, Armas," you know, and he's like, "I wish I had someone to torture." And he's like, "Who is that? Show yourself." And then Boimer says, "Come find us. We're touching your stuff." <laughs> and that's where we end, end the episode. Yeah, with Armas.
3: Yeah, nice. There wasn't back. a lot of there was there
2: wasn't a lot of I don't know was there a lot of Easter eggs kind of stuff. This, I mean, other than the obvious stuff, like calling her Janeway and, um, like some of the things that they find, like, were they, did they throw back to anything? Like, cause it didn't seem like this was a real sort of deep episode to me, right? It was funny with the packlet stuff, but
3: yeah, I, I didn't really get a lot of Easter eggs out of it, although I'm sure they snuck a few in there, but the, yeah. some of the lines were, were terrific the who who among us has not been pooped up by a by a giant alien yeah. was funny yeah. the the line starfleet it, this is starfleet slime is a given was also i thought a really really great one and yeah. um when when boimler was trying to find the ways to make tendy laugh i was writing down the things that he was doing so first he does the bowl of beans mm-hmm. and then he does the cake and then, uh, and then he like lights himself on fire with it. So I just wrote down Beans Cake and Agony, which sounds a little bit like a nineteen nineties R and B band or something. Uh, Beans Cake and Agony, like Bone Thugs and Harmony or something. Right. Um, there was. Uh, yeah, there's lots of funny stuff. Again, the whole sort of, you know, the, the, the Riker jokes. I, I'd like to rescind my previous statement. The the dirtiest line in Star Trek is no longer uh, the first one. It's it's uh look at my giant helmet. That might be the dirtiest line
0: ever <laughs> <laughs> uttered. Behold yes. my
3: giant helmet, I think was the line. Behold, yeah. Behold yeah. my giant helmet. Sounds like a line from a bad uh, adult fi- film or something. Yeah, did you order a pizza? Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, I think this one was was really uh, just just one of those great sort of you know comedy of errors sort of slapsticky kind of things. That just worked on a really great level. Like it didn't. It didn't go too far. The skin of evil thing, though. I mean, that was a pretty. Uh, it wasn't yeah, a
2: that d- was that was a good call. It wasn't back. not a, yeah,
3: a but it was certainly a cut. It was to the point where, again, you know, uh, a number one fan and I were watching it together, and he was like, "Sorry, the what now?" I was like, yeah, "Okay, yeah. here we go." Well, even the flower that sprays uh, sprays mariner, right? That's yeah. one.
2: That was one, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I'm sure some of the we could go back and watch those that sequence again. There was probably a few um, of those sort of. You know, crystal-y kind of things, and the, that that have come up in the past, right? Yeah,
3: so. I wouldn't be surprised that, like, I, I I didn't have the usual amount of time that I do, just sort of do the uh, episode, watch and slow and you know everything out. I bet you that if you paused a few times on the the anomaly gathering, that there was probably a few little 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 Easter eggs in there. I'm sure there'll be some great recaps over the next few days as a few well, great Well, it was, a, in, it was the it,
2: line from the line from Keishon, and i wasn't sure if he like i forgot the bracelet he is but he had that they have that sort of you know jagdar and whatever oh uh,
3: yeah janad and tagra tanagra or whatever yeah yeah exactly a exactly. Jalad like at tanagra
2: yeah at tanagra yeah and he says uh, when he says you know did you get the basmati opens the veil uh, kind of line. I'm not sure I'd Google that, but I didn't, I didn't come up with any, anything significant from that, that name. Right.
3: Yeah. But, I, th- I think in a lot of circumstances, it's just supposed to be, you know, you're, you're supposed to work your own context in there. Right. Yeah. 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 Well,
2: it's, it sounds like something that his race would say
3: just sort of like, uh, you know, yeah, it really is. A, it is, it is a fun thing that they've included that, that race in the season. Cause it really does just is the joke that just never fails. Every time they do it, yeah. it's funny.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and the, and like you said, the pack letter are a perfect foil for the lower deck crew because you know their their incompetence makes the the lower deck Cerritos look competent, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like they're all they always take care of the second contact stuff, right? They never they're never really the first ship in, they're the second one in, right?
1: Yep. Yeah, that's crew. why uh, Captain Freeman should have really you know thought about it. It was like, wait a minute. So how come we're getting to do the um, the Ceasefire, and it's not the Titan. And I feel like Starfleet yeah. Command is like, yeah, this doesn't sound legit. Uh, yeah, let's send the Cerritos instead.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, how bad could it be, right? <laughs> yeah, Exactly, cool.
3: So did everybody watch What If this week?
2: Everybody watched What yeah. If this week, Woo-hoo! as far as I know. Well, I don't know if Jaime watched it. I watched it. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: I watched it.
3: Oh, yes. So we had... Uh, oh, yes, throw him to the floor. We... Uh, we had what if Killmonger had saved Tony Stark? Which is a funny thing because it was way more Killmonger than it was Tony Stark, although I suppose it it was yeah. Tony Stark. But uh Yeah, I mean it, it was I thought it was a cool episode in that it was a little more grounded than and not not it was was certainly dark, but it wasn't as dark as the last few. Although it's funny that there's been this run, like it seemed like the first two episodes were sort of lighter, and then we've just been on a lot of like Things went wrong and it really got really bad. Uh, so this one, you know, he saves Tony from the incident that would have turned him into Iron Man. And then we have this sort of whole storyline of him sort of playing both sides against the other between Wakanda and the uh, Americans and sort of starts this sort of big war between them and uh, and ends up sort of positioning himself as, as, in the end, the new Black Panther. I enjoyed getting a little more time with with michael b jordan's uh eric killmonger but i i i don't know it, it all seemed pretty convoluted like it wasn't the greatest i think story that they've told and and i still couldn't get my head around the guy who does the voice for tony he just does not sound like robert downey jr enough for my taste really?
1: okay yeah hmm.
2: i i was okay with him to be honest with you
3: yeah yeah it, it was interesting because i mean
2: um did michael b jordan didn't play killmonger in the movie did he yeah oh he did mm-hmm. oh yeah mm-hmm. i mean so so the the, the background of that character is he's related to black panther but he's like his
3: he's his, his first his, cousin so yeah it, cousin the King's might, yeah. brother was his father right. yeah but he but he was raised like a sort of a hoodlum in in america right yeah he grew up in oakland while t'challa was raised in in wakanda yeah.
2: Wakanda yeah exactly and and sort of like I, there was times when he was kind of playing like you said playing both sides against the middle but yeah I guess I guess that was a sort of deal because he was like it seemed like he was on the side of good at the beginning and then you know as as time wore on he you know he, he got caught being the bad guy a few times right like I think Pepper Potts caught him being the bad guy at one point right because she had the film of him killing um, Tony Stark right
3: well no cuz Tony this- is the one that cut, catches him killing uh Rhodey, right? Oh right, okay, yeah. Yeah, and then he ends up killing Tony and yeah, it's yeah. funny cuz the the Watcher comes out and you know Jeffrey Wright's amazing voice comes out and sort of says, you know, one moment changes everything. Yeah, you know, it's an opportunity for a villain to become a hero and so Killmonger saves Tony and you're like, "Oh, so instead of going down this dark path, he's going to go down a light path and things will turn out yeah. differently, yeah. but yeah. he kind of still yeah. ends up being a a monster, and he ends up, you know, yeah. killing Tony, killing T'Challa, sort of, you know, instigating this war and becoming the new Black Panther. You know, it it doesn't redeem the character at all, which is funny because in some of these, they sort of set out to sort of find, you know, again, even between the, the you know, Thanos isn't an all bad guy and joins, uh, the, you know, uh, Star Panther's crew and everything. This one, it's just like, you know, the moral of the story is once an ass, always an ass. Like it's it's weird. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting the the you know the I see where you're going with the voice here because I mean like you know the top top cast are all the way down to Andy Serkis, Don mm-hmm. Cheadle, Paul Bettany, and then we get to sort of fill in people like you know Pepper Pox wasn't wasn't really nope. the right voice, Tony Stark wasn't the right voice, nope. you know. Sure, um, yeah.
3: They got Angela sure, Bassett a- though, so yeah, yeah. How about that? Like, what up? What up about that? Yeah, exactly. And they made her this like incredible badass, which I mean, yeah. she is yeah.
1: so sure. Yeah. General, but,
3: yeah, uh, that was actually kind of a cool twist. But uh, yeah. I, if if there's a plan in the new Black Panther movie to make her like a badass warrior uh, queen, I am down. She's awesome. I love her. Um. I yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's a strange it's a strange thing and I honestly felt about this one like when we got the the Star Panther episode in episode 2, I think we were all like pleasantly surprised that we got Chadwick Boseman doing the voice of T'Challa and it was this sort of beautiful sort of end to him being the character but he's come back twice since then. He's he's played Black Panther and in last week's episode as well, he played it in the uh the zombies one. He he came back and became the the legless Black yeah. Panther. And then he was back again in this one, but he got like what, five lines? Six lines? Yeah. Well yeah. It's like kinda kinda taken this the wind out of the sails of the, the beautiful farewell for for Chadwick, but I guess
2: he didn't know it was a farewell at the time when they wrote that. I, right? I guess so. not. I
3: guess not. But yeah, it's it's just kind of a weird, like, you know, he basically shows up, is a really badass gets killed and then he has the you know the killmonger has the vision of the panthers and and speaks to him one more time and basically you know t'challa sort of says you know don't worry you'll get yours Jaime, yes thumbs up thumbs down
1: i uh i went into it thinking um that it might be kind of standalone and then i said well you know this might be the opportunity to to think about what they might do for the next black panther movie where you know they're not going to have much of Chavik Bozeman, if anything. I'm not sure what they're gonna do there. And they they focus on Shuri uh, quite a bit towards the end of this one. I'm like, oh, I wonder if this gives a hint of how they'll handle the, the transition over to somebody taking on the mantle and, and Shuri seems like a, a likely candidate.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Too bad Letitia Wright didn't do the voice though. Although I, I thought the woman that did her voice was was decent. Like pretty pretty close but still.
2: Well she plays a younger character though in, in the story, right? Yeah.
3: Not a lot though.
2: There's only uh, three more episodes of this show left. Yeah, this season. Yeah, I mean, there's they've got they got lined up for season two apparently, but
3: yeah, I still I wonder if we're going to see. I mean, we we got that sort of uh, teaser trailer that sort of showed the second half of the season. We know a little bit about some of the episodes we're going to see there. It does seem to be one where uh, you know it seems like there's a crossover at some point in some way happening because it looks like some of these characters are interacting with one another. I yeah I don't know again. I still keep waiting for these one offs to pay off, but maybe they're just gonna do you know six or seven ones that establish the characters and then they'll find a way to sort of cross them over into one big story or something but uh yeah i keep I keep waiting for this to sort of come together beyond what if but it hasn't yet six weeks in, we're still waiting, yep sure. and yet I'll tune in next week,
2: yeah, according to this that was this was definitely his last project before his die he died, oh, it says here. That several actors from the mainstream MCU will not be returning their voices in this series like Robert Downey Jr., Tom Holland, Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Elizabeth Olsen, Dave Bautista, Zoe Sandana, um, James Spader, Letitia Wright, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Brie Larson. We, Most of these actors have since long departed from the MCU and their contract with Marvel expired.
3: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I, I'm sure that when there, somebody called their agent and said, hey, do you want to come in and do, you know, an episode of this? They were like, sure, cut us a check for, what, like $8 million? Which they could have done, but if they think they can do it credibly otherwise, you know. I, I do like the authenticity of some of the voices because some of the voices really are distinctive, but I get it. They could have just gone scorched earth and just said, like, everybody's done by a different actor that's certainly what uh what happened with you know clone wars and all those other ones right they yeah yeah that,
2: that would that would have made it a little bit a little bit more palpable you know yeah because
3: like when you're looking at the pepper pots character and you're like is that really New. i don't know you know yeah 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 some of them are a little more obvious than others some of them you're like oh they didn't even didn't even come close but some of them are, are better than others for sure yeah for sure all righty
2: well let's get to the watch list uh just a couple of things here Jaime you got one here
1: Yeah, mine is one for, uh, you know, there are adults that do this too, but uh, you can also involve the kiddos. So you have your official Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2 coloring book. It's a PDF. You can print it out as many times as you want or the specific pages you want. Trying to look to see what I would do. Um, You know, they've got the scene from uh, Boimler on the Titan. You got uh, K'Shawn coming in and and it being introduced. You see uh, the senior staff. You've got Kaishawn again, but this time as the uh the puppet or the uh the doll. You've got the uh the lower deckers main main crew and uh I don't know, maybe maybe the uh Mugatus, Mugatos. Gamato, was it Gamato? Is that the one that McCoy would say? Oh my gosh, I don't even know how many different ways <laughs> I did, but uh you can see uh, see those those gorilla guys along with uh Boimler and Rutherford as a uh, as a handy scene. So
3: uh, I don't want to, you know, uh, put too much work on you, Jaime, but I would love it if you would draw me a Mugato, Gomato, gumato Mugutu, uh, for, yes, for one Christmas the gifts. There's in the coloring book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what <laughs> I'm saying. If you, you, you color one in for me for Christmas. Yeah. Oh, man. Or how about the,
2: uh, how about the, uh, by the way, this is free, by the way, i Jaime forgot to mention.
1: Oh, that. yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's a, it's a, it's a free PDF download.
2: Yeah. I, I just downloaded it as you, as you, I clicked on the link here and I get it. Or Boimler on the Titan. Did they have like a lower? Di- oh, this is it season two? So, is there a season one comic book? I wonder.
1: Maybe I didn't. Uh, I didn't do enough looking into it to figure out. Hmm. It says Star Trek Day coloring pages
2: on the on the on the tin here. I wonder if there's other series for this. I'll have to go back and check. Possibly it out. Possibly from the previous year, right? Yeah. So Jonathan and I are on a tug of war as to who's going to pick why the last man is uh, as the, the, our watch list item. But I, I um, think you pick it, and I'll just weigh in on it. All right. Well, then I'm picking it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I watched the uh, first three episodes, and uh, it was quite compelling enough that I would want to watch the rest of them. I do want to point out too that there's there's a really amazing actor in this. I had here's an angle I hadn't thought about. Okay, so the the, the plot, without giving away too many secrets, is that all men, all males, and presumably animal males as well, all Everything die expire. on
3: earth with a Y uh, chromosome, right? Except for... Except for Yorick and Everson. Yorick and his monkey, right? Yep. Um,
2: and I'm just going to look this up here. Why? The last man. Here we go. Because there's an amazing actor who's in it, who was also in... Because here's the angle I, that I hadn't thought about. And you meet this character, I think maybe... You see him in the first episode, but I think he gets fleshed out a bit more in the second episode. Um, the the daughter, Hero, mm-hmm. um, her she runs with a... a a bunch of friends of hers who are trans men, right? Mm-hmm. So technically they don't have Y chromosomes, right? Yeah. These are and people who were born women, but identify as men. And with, with a bit of spoilerishness, it's not much of a spoiler, but, uh, in the second episode, you see you, you as the camera pans into the room where they walk into, there's a whole series, like whole table full of vials of testosterone that these guys have been collecting, right? Cause obviously they need it. And, um, that, that becomes a plot point, but I hadn't I hadn't thought about that angle. That's a really interesting you know play on on you know uh, women who have transitioned and now are male you know for all intents and purposes um, in this particular scenario. Like cause you, you, you don't normally I mean you get it now because it's like twenty twenty two, but you know in the seventies and eighties and nineties you never would have got that sort of that sort of angle, right? But the actor who plays well actor he's uh, is amazing. He was also in um, Shameless um as uh uh sort of an interest an interest or a love interest with one of the gay characters on that show too uh, but it definitely it, it, it's an actually trans actor too mm-hmm. right which is really well played i'm just trying to find his name here anyway so that that was uh really cool yep
3: did you recognize you really, any of the intersections the few times i was like oh well that's clearly toronto not new york city <laughs> Yeah, there was a few times like there, was, like when they're sitting outside of
2: the church downtown, yep. right? But but they kind of they they kind of focus it in such a way that you see a building in the background. And it's hard not to say whether it's New York or not, right? So was part of it filmed in New York or all of it in Toronto? I
3: think some of it they might have CGI'd to be New York esque, but I yeah. think all of the street scenes and stuff like that where they're just on the ground that's all Toronto. Right.
1: Right.
3: Yeah, and the other thing that distinguishes it as a clearly Canadian production is that the uh, the president in the first episode is Paul Gross. Yes. Well, he's an executive producer, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um... For those who do not know him, he's a uh, prominent Canadian actor. He has been in certainly lots of things. That uh, he's one of those that guys that American uh, people would probably recognize him from. But mm. very famously, mm-hmm. here he was on a TV show called uh, Do South for a long time. That was very yep. very popular. And Men with Brooms. And Men with Brooms. That's right. He did a curling movie, which I mean, really, yes. it, that. Is I mean, you got to check out Men with Brooms. Clearly Canadian. It's actually not a bad movie. All things being equal, the yep. um, who is it? It's uh, it's the the. Oh, the, girl from that movie the girl yeah. from that movie no it's the one from uh from your uh from your recommendation lost in space right it's um was it molly or, or, parker or, 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 or molly parker you're right is molly parker uh she's also in deadwood yes that's right that's right uh um, and she's canadian right can she's own? canadian and uh, leslie nielsen's in it also a canadian the late leslie nielsen yep and the tragically hips in the movie so i mean it's just the most yeah. canadian thing you can come across and it's about curling yeah Although I believe it's set in, it's set in Alaska or something. Mm. No, it's set no, in Canada. Yeah, okay. Anyway, yeah, I uh, I only got to watch the first episode. Uh, I didn't watch the other two that are on my to do uh, ASAP, although I ran out of time this week. So, whoever it was it said to you the other day, how is it you watch all these things? We can't. We can't watch everything. We try. Um, <laughs> I'm going to definitely try and catch up in, in time for next week's episode four. But I am curious to see two and three. I'm curious to see where they take it. It was. Definitely an FX show. It definitely has an FX feel. It feels like Legion. It feels like so many yeah. of those FX shows. It's dark. It's edgy. It's bloody. It's uh, the characters are very flawed. There's a lot of a lot of sort of familiar sort of FX kind of feel to it. And I guess that fits. Although it's, I always found one of the things I loved about the comic is that the writing is very kind of dark and, and goes to these really interesting places but Pia Guerra's art is actually kind of light and bright and doesn't perfectly, in a way it almost does perfectly fit but it also is this perfect juxtaposition against this dark world. She is drawing in a very sort of um, yeah, like light uh, color palette uh, the, the art is very bright it's not like dark and edgy art and it, it was just kind of this beautiful juxtaposition whereas this show is like dark material shown in a dark way and it doesn't to me yet sort of feel like why the last man now i'm sure it you know that the dialogue and things will start to pick up and i'm, I'm sure there will be more elements as, as you go beyond season uh the first episode of the season which was pretty darn grim but it so far didn't click quite as much for me. I'm, I'm hoping it, gra- it grabs me a little more as, as we keep going. Right, but I will definitely give it a, a fair shot because I did think there was enough enough material to grab me. I asked, uh, I watched it with uh, with Xavier, and I was sort of asking what he his impressions were. And he said, you know, it was a little hard to follow. They put too many characters in, which I do agree with. They kind of jam packed it full of characters. Because I think they were trying to sort of give you a little bit of backstory, a little bit of of things to hook on to some of the characters. I didn't find that. I, I felt like the first episode was a little overstuffed with characters, um, because obviously they're gonna. You know, the story does run on all these different tracks. It's telling the story about Hero. It's telling the story about York. It's telling the story about uh, Age of Three Fifty Five. It's telling the story about her mom, uh, their mom, Hero and and uh, York's mom, so, and then these stories start to converge as the story goes on. I think it'll be really interesting to uh see how some of these other characters that they've sort of introduced over this course of time how they start to sort of realize them and, and fill them out. Because it, it did kind of just sort of feel a little bloated as far as trying to get enough screen time and enough time for us to care about these characters. Almost so much that I was like, I don't care about these characters yet.
2: Right. So Elliot Fletcher is the name of the care is the actor who I couldn't figure out his name for, who's in in the uh, second first and second or maybe third episode as of well, this show as well as plays a couple of seasons in uh, Shameless.
3: See, I knew if I if I vamped long enough, you'd find it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it took me a while because and and uh, yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure, so I'm not going to go there. But yeah,
1: yeah, there's not enough information here on IMDb.
3: Did we do a good job selling Jaime? Or are you going to check
1: this out? Let's see. That's that's a Hulu property, right? So it's in the states, it's Hulu. Yeah. Yes. Hulu. So I might have to wait until I uh, collect Hulu as one of those things to to watch.
3: <laughs> the, oh, did you set that one back into the wild?
1: Well, it uh, it was originally the plan is like, oh, okay. Well, the Orville is going to come up at like a normal, decent time, right? And then the pandemic hit, and it's like, oh, okay. Now I'm really unclear since I'm you know on uh, HBO Max and uh, Disney Plus and Paramount Plus at the moment. You know, where where am I going to find? Uh, time and room to watch another show well can wait there will be a slow month somewhere right yeah yeah no
3: and i feel that like it it is yet another show where it's like i want to see this because i like the character and i like the story but it is another one in the pile too Mm -hmm. that's a challenge living in the sort of golden age of television now like it you yeah. want to give shows a fair shake. You don't want to just sort of cut them off after a few. But at the same time, you, you know, if you're going to make the time for it, you got to really want it now. Like, there's shows that I really enjoy. Like, I still haven't watched a single episode of this season of uh, DC's um, Legends. And I I like that series, mm-hmm. Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, I think is that, that, okay. yeah. yeah, it's already come mm-hmm. and gone. And I, I love that show. I think it, it's always consistently funny interesting i like the characters i like the performances but i just haven't found time where i can sit down and and catch up so but you
2: know what in, in this age of streaming like if you think about it is like with television like finding with, like, with cable television there's there's less and less shows that i really want to watch whereas most of the shows i want to watch are netflix and disney and apple tv these days right uh or prime um but yeah, like, so this is an, FX is a channel that seems to have, have uh, um, good shows and AMC tends to as well. But yeah, I mean like regular uh, cable television, I, there's a few shows I watch, but yeah, they're they're just not, they're not holding up, you know, which is kind of interesting. But, but that said, if you miss a show, you can almost, now that it's streaming is a thing, you can always go back to that channel and they nine times out of 10 have that, that piece that you can catch up on. If you miss like an episode, you can go back and watch the streamed version and you know, not always a you know, live kind of thing, but you can go back and catch up on, on what you missed. Um, I do want to, since we're talking about it, um, I was going to make a comment about The Walking Dead because as I as I said, I'm watching this final season of The Walking Dead to try and catch up. I mean, you know, I, when we ha- I spoke to George Stromalopoulos about it once and, and I asked him why he doesn't watch The Walking Dead because he goes, I know how it's going to end. It's not, you know, it's just going to keep going on and on and on and on, right? And it's a good call because... Watching the show, you know, we we follow Norman Reedus, who plays uh, one of the main characters on the show, um, along with Carol and and, um, Maggie. But uh, he ends up meeting this this crew of people uh, this time, and they're led by this really sort of megalomaniacal leader who's got this sort of, you know, vibe around him. And it just, you know... It's the people suck all over again, you know, like, <laughs> you know, this whole crew follow this guy who's a real jerk and like, you know, a killer, you know, like if you're not, doesn't like you, he just kills you kind of thing. I mean, that sh- the show hasn't changed in, you know, the many years that I've been watching it. Right. Like it's, it started out really interesting the first couple of seasons, like how do you survive this sort of craziness? And then they just started pushing the envelope. I mean, by the time they got to Negan, you know, that it just became um, oh.
3: murder porn.
2: Yeah, well Negan to me and yeah, and and even on the, the show afterwards, the Talking Dead, they do a like a dead like a uh killing the zombies count. I mean like it's like, you know, it's just for the sake of just killing zombies, like why are we watching this show, right? You know, kind of thing. Like it's it's supposed to have a human drama and the walking dead are the people who are alive, not the zombies, right? because um, they're they've all they've all been infected and they're all eventually gonna turn right but the you know there's some interest there have been some interesting interesting plot points like a baby being born in the middle of this thing and you know the mother dying and what the son has to do about it as a young boy you know and um and all that kind of stuff but it's just you know uh it's just it's so repetitive i don't understand what what the real uh you know that's why i stopped watching it like maybe three years ago right it's just it just it was just—it was the same thing over and over again every week, and and what, but when they got to Negan, that's when I decided, like, why am I watching this show? What am I getting out of this show? And it was, you know, su- such like you said, murder porn that it was just, you know, not worth it. And of course, they killed a—you a, know—Negan kills a, a a treasured character, right? Yeah. You know.
3: Yeah, Which, and,
2: it, and it was almost—you could almost be accused of whitewashing too, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know? I suppose you could. Although, you know, that had been well established as canon in the in the comic book version of this too. Oh, so okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The one hundredth episode of of the Walking Dead comic book was the similar, not the same story, but very similar story where Negan uh, kills. Spoilers: Glenn, and yeah, that was sort of an established thing, and it was it was just as devastating when it happened when i was reading those books i i I was a early adopter on the walking dead comic books which for my money is actually uh far superior to the to the to the tv show just because it it is less overwrought it's it's a lot more sort of it moves a lot faster in spite of the fact that it went on for, you know, 14, 15 years. It just, mm-hmm. it still felt like it was moving somewhere, whereas the show just felt like it's been in a quagmire. So that that that's what kind of mm-hmm. lost me was like, yeah, it's the same thing happens every week. It's like, oh, we build up this character. We introduce a new character. We introduce a new, new love interest. Oh, but somebody tragically dies. And then, it, you know, and then they rebuild and they rebuild. It's it's basically dramatized Survivor. I just, I, I kind of lost my taste for it. Yeah, yeah. But people love it. But people love it.
2: I wonder if the same people, people like, like blood but I, I kinda wonder. Too, you
3: know?
2: Yeah, well, but I well, mean like 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 how many seasons I don't even know what season this is, but I mean like the question is like are the people who are watching today did they watch it from the very beginning? I mean I kinda wonder how many people started this show, you know, like I watched it right from the very beginning. Um how many people are still with it, you know, like or have they lost those people? Or, or is
3: it just so popular that people just love this stuff, right? Well, it's funny, too. I, I just listened to... Um, there was an interview with John Bernthal on the Bill Simmons podcast this week. Yeah. And... Because
2: yeah. uh, he was a character that was killed early, right? He
3: was. And again, same thing happened in the, in the comics. So he sort of knew that it was a sort of short-term... Oh, okay. Short-term okay. commitment. But... Right. Uh, and then to be fair, they kept him a lot longer on the TV show than in the comic. I think in the comic, he dies in like issue five or something like that. So he's oh, okay. really not in for it for very long, but... Yeah, uh, it, But it was one of it was a kind of John Bernthal's real breakout role. He'd had some some memorable small scenes, but that was really his first sort of, you know, people were like, who is this guy? He's really good. And from there, he goes on to, you know, Wolf of Wall Street. He goes on to Punisher. He goes on to, you know, now he's going to be in the new Sopranos movie. All this. So he's, you know, sort of his jumping off point. So the two of them were talking about The Walking Dead. And he sort of said, you know, yeah, when I signed on to Walking Dead, it was Frank freaking Darabond was the person who was – getting this show up off the ground. Frank Darabont's, you know, Shawshank Redemption. Like, this is an all-time great, uh, you know, movie creator who was taking this, this concept and turning it into a show. And he said, you know, yeah, I absolutely wanted to be on that. But he's like, you know, I was only on for like two seasons and then I was gone. And he's like, I've, you know, I keep in touch with those people and I'm close with them and everything else. But he's like, that show has become something completely different. Like, it's this huge global phenomenon and everything else, but it's also not the same show that I signed on for. And I thought that was pretty astute that you know it really has sort of turned into a whole other thing just because of its popularity and and the spin-offs and the the talking dead mm-hmm. and, and just the culture around it and the dead cons and all that stuff like it really has just sort of become this other thing uh but it, it's also you know we talked about it before but like some tv just hangs on too long you know like there's something to be said like we're talking about Why the Last Man. Why the Last Man, The Preacher, Transmetropolitan, The Sandman. Some of my favorite comic stories over the last, you know, 20, 30 years were about a beginning, a middle, and an end. They were always intended to be a story that begins, middle, a middle and ends. Think about Breaking Bad. Like, it, if they had done more, it would have become bloated and unwieldy and probably would have lost some interest and in everything else. Part of the problem is, is that, you know, Walking Dead just keeps going. Yeah. Like, we are The Walking Dead
2: watching this show. Yeah, bang on. (laughs) But just just to follow follow up on something I'm asked about it when I first started talking about Walking Dead this this season is, we're in season 11, by the way. Um, You asked if it was a three-part finale, and it looks like it is, because they're doing eight episodes until October, and then they come back in 2022 for, you know, another eight episodes, and then it's supposed to end sometime episode 24 is supposed to be in 2022 as well. So sounds like it is going to be in three chunks. Jaime. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I'll make it to episode 24, to be honest with you. I might watch episode 24, but I don't know if I'll make it all the way through. Um, yeah. Cause it, you know, and, and, you know, just like you said, the spinoffs. So we've got the walk the world beyond, which is a new series, which apparently is coming and going this season. There's red machete. There's uh Fear the Walking Dead, of course, and then there's another thing called Origins, which I don't know if... Yeah, it's 2021, so it's still around, so who knows? Craziness. Oh, and Untitled, The Walking Dead movie. We have that to look forward to, starring Andrew Lincoln. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, and it's funny, because again, one of those points that was raised in the interview with Jon Bernthal was, you know, him him sort of saying, you know, it's... uh, This is the network at the time that was most famous for Mad Men and Breaking Bad, two of the most prestigious, lauded, awarded, beloved uh, dramas of ever. And it's funny that those shows have sort of gone by the wayside. They've never really been able to rekindle that high prestige drama HBO kind of took the title back from them on that, and a few other players have gotten into the game, and AMC really hasn't clicked on that. And now when Mm -hmm. I think of AMC, and I don't think of them often, which I'm, you know, again, for for something that was indispensable 10 years ago, indispensable. I remember having a conversation with somebody uh, at my cable provider 10 years ago saying, I don't care what package I need, I have to have AMC. Really? Where legitimately, like I couldn't, I couldn't not watch Breaking Bad. I couldn't not watch Mad Men. I couldn't, yeah. Like there's yeah. some stuff that you just had to watch. Whereas now, like I don't think I've watched AMC in four years, five years.
2: Really? Okay. Yeah, I watch it all the time.
3: it Just for me, like- I, well, one, I don't watch a ton of cable television outside of sports. I watch. It. That's that's why I have a cable still. But if I want to watch something, you know, yeah, like they're just not at the front of mind. And there have been some shows that have come and gone where I've been interested. They they do still have Better Call Saul, which I adore. But yeah. there's just not a lot of high prestige drama going on over there anymore, which is, again, it's funny how they've just sort of morphed from We're Mad Men and, and Breaking Bad to, to this.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, well, we we'll just have to see how far we get with it. And that's been your really, really long episode uh, edition of, of this year this week's uh, yeah. <laughs> watch list yeah exactly all righty so hey uh i guess that's it for another week
2: so jonathan if people want to get in touch with you where would they find you you can
3: always find me on twitter and instagram is at jpk news and hi if people can to get, get in touch with you i'm on twitter is at dev of the hair
2: he's also on more than just code just you know for those of you wondering and uh, my name is tim Mitra. i am t-i-m-m-i-t-r-a on the twitter machine is where you'll find me hanging out so until next time we'll see you in the future Bye, bye,
1: bye.
3: You've been listening to the Spotcast podcast.
2: me to say bye and you guys say bye at the same time, is that, is that how that works?
3: Yeah, right, we would be able
2: first. Yeah. first. <laughs> okay, because I always try to hesitate so, you, so we can say it at the same we time. Can, we can
3: mix it up, we just, you know, we're sort of waiting for it. You can well, <laughs> going to re-edit it so that I say it first, you know.
2: Yeah, that's true. You know, you're know, you right, I can actually do that, but I just don't couldn't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much work. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. It actually was a shorter show than normal ones. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I think the lower decks had that much to talk about this time.
3: Yeah, it was. uh, Again, it was a funny episode. I thought you know I laughed and everything, but it it certainly wasn't as rich in the lore and the Easter eggs. I again, I'm sure there's way more in there if you if you spend some time digging, but it didn't feel quite as as uh, steeped as some of the other episodes this season. So
2: the number one movie or number one TV show this week is Money Money Heist. Have you guys seen Money Heist? I've seen the first three seasons. I haven't. It's a Spanish, uh, yeah, Spanish TV show um, about a heist initially. But yeah, these this crew of, you know, um, thieves end up being, like, end up, you know, I guess they keep going. And there's another one called Clickbait, which sounds like something for Jaime. And then What If is number three, Rick and Morty is number four, Walking Dead is number five, and Nine Perfect Strangers is number six. But who knows what that means? Number seven is Only Murders in the Building ted lasso's
3: number eight. Oh, ted lasso this, was so good this week oh my god yeah episode is that eight. the one with the bike yeah or yeah. oh my god what an amazing it was like it was a long episode too it was like 45 minutes or 50 minutes was it yeah, but, yeah. oh my god what great television that week this this week's episode yeah. between the stuff with the doctor the stuff with ted uh, and the dating app the dating app yeah. and jamie with his dad like oh my god that yeah, show is yeah. good they are I just- love I
2: love Jamie I love Jamie when he's talking to the to to somebody to the team and they'll say something to him about like you know this well this is how you treat people blah 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 you gotta you know treat too with respect and he just like he's having trouble with Keely. right mm-hmm. and then he goes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or they were trying to trying to teach the, his niece not to swear. <laughs> oh,
3: that's a Yeah, Roy, Roy, Kent. Yeah, not Jamie. Roy. Roy yeah. Yeah. The Roy, whole yeah. story with him and his and his niece. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know you're a big influence on her. Am I?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Actually, it's funny because I'm watching Mr. Gordon, which is a TV show on uh, Apple TV, starting um, uh, guy with three names um, from. Third drop from the Sun. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, I've seen the trailer for that. Uh, oh yeah, what's his name? Guess who plays his girlfriend? It, oh, it's Keely, right? It's Keely, yeah. and it's like you go. You so I watch. You know, I watch Ted Lasso, and then I go watch uh, watch her play on you know, Mister 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 Norman, and I and I'm waiting for her to slip up her American accent, you know, and she never does. It's it's amazing, but it's weird because you know you're you're looking at her, you're going, wait a minute, that's Keely. But she's um, because I kind of wonder now if she's putting on the accent that she does in um, Ted Lasso because you know she's got all those affectations of of the the, you know class she lives in and the and the is Yorkshire isn't it or something like that or I'm not sure where it is
3: yeah I don't think it's Yorkshire but she definitely has a very uh, working class distinct accent yeah just yeah distinct accent yeah Yeah.
2: exactly yeah so that's kind of interesting well and
3: she's the perfect juxtaposition because you know Rebecca has this perfect you know elocution, high class, you know, like that's the whole, the whole gag, right? The two of them are sort of the odd couple. Yeah, Yeah, that's another one that's, it's, uh, it's an interesting season so far. I'm curious to see how they stick the landing on the the next two episodes. Yeah. And then I have to decide whether or not I want to keep my Apple TV Plus subscription, or if I can let it go for, uh, do do the Mm -hmm. Jaime routine and let it go for a while, because I so far have not really gotten into anything else on Apple TV Plus, because it was free up until the beginning of Ted Lasso season two and I was like well I'm in now so I'm paying for it for a couple months but now uh yeah I have to decide I know you guys were suggesting mythic mythic quest that's one that's sort of been on my I ought to watch at some point list so I might watch that before I uh pull the plug but yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah I'm probably gonna wait for uh C is is out soon if not already uh Ted Lasso should be wrapping up soon and then we'll probably go in back in when um uh, servant season three comes out is probably where we'll do it in this household no
3: more seasons of paw patrol coming that you know you got to stay, stay tuned for or... <laughs> they just have
1: your big movie you know just wait for the the cinematic <laughs> aspect
3: yeah well you don't mm. know it could be it could be uh what do they call it gonna call it paw world john what do you think that's that's right uh, so just out of curiosity if they were showing that in imax would you make the effort
1: no, this was just a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Let's put something in the background. And I was paying enough attention to say, wait a minute, this is better than I thought it would be.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, just be just be glad you have a dog and not a kid because you'd probably end up watching that show about a thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> Peppa Pig? Yeah. What, what, did you, what did you watch? Cars, right? Cars? Cars? Jonathan? Cars? Yeah. Uh, I watched Wally, Cars. We watched... We watch, um, Octonauts now is the, the big one. You got to get into the Octonauts
1: universe, there, uh, Jaime. <laughs> Maybe they'll have a, a a gritty live action remake or something. I can get into <laughs> <laughs> Octonaut
2: Octonautathon. Yeah, we need to go to Octonautathon.
3: Yeah. Did I see yeah. something about Mobile Suit Gundam this week? Did you see something about that, Jaime? I, I swear I
1: saw that as a headline, and I for, I meant to go back and look at it. A new show? No, I wasn't aware, but uh... I saw that there was news of a new Gundam statue that's being built somewhere in Japan. That'll be the the largest one so far. Wonder if that, that news is time. First,
3: first new mobile suit Gundam anime series in seven years. They just announced this the other day. Uh, yeah, it was on Gizmodo. First new TV entry in the franchise since 2015's Iron Blooded Orphans. Wait, uh, are, first entirely are they new like, TV
1: series. Are they considering like Unicorn and all the other ones to be like not mainline, and that's where so I it guess, feels like that's I newer. Guess if you say like any Gundam animated stuff, but
3: mm-hmm. mobile suit Gundam. Yeah. This is the first one since iron blooded orphans, mobile suit Gundam, the witch from mercury or G witch for short. Again, I'm, I'm not steeped enough in the lore to understand the, the, the differences, but I'm figured you might. Yeah. It was uh, yesterday or yeah. Yesterday afternoon they announced this. Yeah. I actually, uh, in the, in the spirit of, uh, of sort of coming back to my love of, uh, uh, anime which has certainly waned over the last number of years i i have uh at the top of my netflix to watch list i decided i'm going to watch uh neon genesis evangelion that's something that has always escaped mm-hmm. me and that everyone i know who likes anime keeps saying i can't believe you haven't watched that so that's where i've decided to dip back in at some point soon on, yeah i saw that on the netflix is, is there like uh this is yeah. the third movie though right or yeah. third piece? yeah this is the whole the whole thing is on netflix here in Canada anyway is it okay
1: yeah yeah so you have the 25 tv series uh, episodes you have I forgot how they break it down but I think they do two I think um death and air or rebirth I forget what they renamed it is one movie and then end of Evangelion is the the second movie from like the original stuff Hmm. then you have the rebuild of Evangelion which is four movies here they were on um, on Amazon Prime. I don't know. He said they're all on Netflix for the the newer I think movies so, too. Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah, I think so. I don't remember what's here. Yeah. Every time I go on, I, I go, like bookmark all these things. I'm like, oh yeah, I still haven't watched Sweet Tooth. Like, this all these this stuff just keeps creeping up. It's like, damn it, I still haven't watched yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like there is all the TV episodes of Evangelion are here. And then I think the movies are, are as well, but they're separate. They're in a separate um, queue. Yeah. I've been watching Doug days. That's pretty sad too. Right? Oh, but it's so good. It's so funny. I, we watched that a couple of weeks ago and I laughed my butt off. Yeah. Did you get to the one about the fireworks? No, I've only, I've only watched puppies in the first one. Oh, keep, keep going. It is is, it is, you're right though. It is like absolutely gut wrenching, especially in the, in the wake yeah. of, of Ed Asner's passing, but yeah, it, uh, Man, it hits you in the hits you in the feels as good Disney does, but it's mm-hmm. it's. Well, he's so funny, Doug. Eh? Yeah, because
2: he's he's barking and he's talking at the same time. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, Which and then again, so the first good, episode so he's fighting boy. with
3: the squirrel, and then he's trying to teach yeah. the puppies, and yeah, they and the, yeah. it just keeps going like that. There's so many funny moments. And... You have sharp teeth, puppies. Yes, yes. you have sharp teeth. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. That is my toy. Yeah. <laughs> that is my favorite toy. Yeah. Yeah. And no, he gives him the good. toy at the end. It's nice. Yup. Yeah, good stuff. Anyway, all right, folks, time to check out. Okay, I have a feeling I'm going to be talking to a customer in a few minutes.
3: Fun. All righty. All right. Yeah. See you next week, guys. Get back later. Bye. Bye. Bye.